you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. If you'll look at your notes, uh, if you're looking uh, with your phone, you can go to lifeway.church forward slash three dash 17 dash 19. It's going to bring up the notes page. The title of the message is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. You know, um, I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. And you know, there's so many people these days that are looking to be healed, but they're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking at the wrong person. They may be looking to some person that prays for people and promises that if, if, you, if, I, if you let me pray for you, then you will be healed. And I'm saying maybe we need to ask the question, who are we looking at today? Who are we looking at? Like I said last week, and I'll say it this week, next week, and, and for every time that we minister on healing, we're, not a, we're never opposed to doctors. Never opposed to doctors. We have a doctor in the house this morning. A real, I mean, a real doctor, Dr. Latoni. Dr. Dr. Latoni, you're back there. I've allowed myself uh, to, to be your patient, and I've called you doctor, and, and so we're pro-doctors. We're doctor-friendly. Jesus had a doctor on his team, Dr. Luke. But I'm telling all of us, reminding myself at the same time, if I'm looking to the doctor to heal me, then maybe my eyes are not focused on Jesus. Jesus anoints doctors to help us receive our healing. And so we're grateful and we're thankful for that. But this morning, I want us to turn our gaze, turn our focus on Jesus. Turn our focus on Jesus this morning. So, Father, we just pray that this time that we're together, that as we look at your word, we begin to see the greatness of Jesus and the love of Jesus that he would do what he did and come to this earth and endure the, the, the pain and the torture of the cross so that he could provide healing to us and for us today in 2019. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for showing us by your spirit, by your Holy Spirit, opening our eyes and our hearts right now. We choose to see Jesus high and lifted up in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm beginning at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, comma, looking. So we're running this race. We're looking at something. We're runners. When they run a race, they're looking at something. Our focus should be on something. It says, looking unto Jesus. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Say that with me. Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. You see, we've got to make it personal. Faith is personal. Uh, healing is personal, right? You can't get healed for your neighbor. You can't get saved for your neighbor. We have to make 
that decision for ourselves. So we're running this race. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We have to remember that he endured the cross and he despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we need to look at Jesus and we need to see some things this morning. I believe that as we look at Jesus, we're going to see some things. We look at Jesus, we're going to see some things. So, Jesus was prophesied. The, 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 the prophecies foretold in the Old Testament in the first covenant from God through prophets to the children of Israel. It was foretold, 28 scriptures I, I, I read in the Old Testament that foretold about the crucifixion of Jesus. The first scripture in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14 says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals, and you will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And so this prophecy is talking about and pointing to the fact that Jesus would be crushed through crucifixion. That the snake, the enemy, would in fact inflict Jesus through crucifixion. This was a prophecy. In Psalm 107 and verse 20, it says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. Now, we like the healing part, but we fail to see what Jesus went through to bring us our healing. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And so, in Deuteronomy, there was a prophecy, or there was uh, a curse for, for those that were hanging on a tree. And Jesus, the, the, the method whereby they, they, they uh, killed Jesus was by hanging on a tree. Crucifixion was the method that the Father had planned out that Jesus would die by crucifixion. And so today, here, here it is a month before Easter, I want us to look at what Jesus went through. Now, this sermon could go on for three or four hours. And I'm going to tell you probably, if you've heard a lot of sermons on uh, the crucifixion, you could probably go way deep in this period of time. But I'm regulated to hit the high spots only. And I want us to come away with this big thought. The big thought is that Jesus allowed himself to be crucified so that healing could flow from him to us. I know there's so many intricate details about the crucifixion and about the prophecies that foretold his death. But I want us to look at Jesus gave himself in three areas. He gave himself first 
from the Spirit. Spiritually, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he came up to the assignment from his Father. He recognized that he needed to go all the way. And so he committed his Spirit to his Father. He settled it in heaven before he ever executed it on earth. Jesus gave himself totally to the assignment that the Father had for him. Not thinking of himself because Jesus didn't come to this earth to be served, but he came to serve. And so in in the giving of himself, spirit, soul, and body, he committed to serving. To serving the rest of his body, of which he's the head. He committed spiritually to go all the way. Next, he committed in his soul. You remember he, he dealt with this, and I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes. He, he dealt with the agony of, of the thought of being separated from his father to the point of, of bleeding out of his sweat. It is a, is a physical condition that actually happens when, when, when the body is stressed out to the point of anguish that the blood and sweat mixed together. And Jesus experienced this in the garden, but he settled it on, on earth as it was already settled in heaven. When he said this to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. So he gave himself spiritually, but he also gave his soul, his mind, his will and emotions. And then lastly, he gave his body. He gave his body. And I believe that once Jesus settled this and he, in the garden, he gave his spirit and his soul and his body, then his father gave him the extra strength that he needed to go all the way. You know, it is the grace of God working through the life of Jesus at that last point of his life to consummate the covenant that he made with us, the grace of God that carried him all the way to the end. And I, I've said this statement many times, and I believe it every, more and more every, every time that I say it. They, they, the people, Pilate, Herod, all of the people that were against Jesus did not murder Jesus. They could not murder Jesus because Jesus willingly gave what they could never take from him. He willingly gave his life for you and for me. Not just for our salvation, not just for our eternal destiny, but for our healing in the here and now. Today, we need to remember all that Jesus did. He experienced pain in his soul. He experienced pain in his body. And he was able to do what he did because he knew what it would do for us. His, his eyes were not fixed on the pain. His eyes were fixed on the joy that he sees every time that someone's healed. Someone's restored. I'm talking in, in the soul as well. A lot of times we focus on the physical healing. And that's, that's great when, when God does a physical healing. A miraculous thing in front of our eyes. But how much greater is it for someone to be healed? healed of of torment 
I said it last week. I'm going to say it this week. We're living in a day and a time where there's mental illness like we have never seen it before in our life. And the things that we expose ourselves to and the thoughts and the pictures that the enemy puts deep in our heart and the conflicting striving on the inside, the, the, the dysfunction on the inside that people face when, when they are faced with mental illness. It's huge, and people need to be healed from that. Look at Isaiah 53, chapter 53, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read it out of a particular translation called the New English Translation because I liked the words that are there. You know, typically we will read it from King James Version or the New King James Version or... I found this, this version to be insightful. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. He was despised and rejected by people. One who experienced pain and was acquainted with illness. People hid their faces from him. He was despised and we considered him insignificant. But... He lifted up our illnesses, and he carried our pain. Two separate things, right? Even though we thought he was being punished, attacked by God, and afflicted for something he had done. But see, that wasn't true. He had not done anything. He was wounded because of our rebellious deeds. And he was crushed because of our sins. He endured punishment that made us well. And because of his wounds, we have been healed. Because of his wounds, we have been healed. Jesus lived and he died on earth over 2,000 years ago. But he didn't stay in the grave. He arose. And the resurrection power of the Father through the Holy Spirit raised him up from the grave and, and brought him back to his rightful place at the right side of the Father. And so he is healed today. And he rose healed from the earth. And he has healing for us today. He experienced what we needed to, he, what we deserve to experience. Jesus experienced he took upon himself the, the sickness, the pain, the illness. He submitted himself to experience the death of a cross. It started in the garden. This, this is uh, what we need to remember. We need to remember everything that Jesus went through. Again, I'm going to only hit the high, pot, uh, high spots here. But in the garden, he experienced the denial of self. That conflicting inner turmoil to where we want to do something, but we have to say, no, Father, it's, it's not my will, it's your will. That produces stress, it produces anxiety. The uh, anxiety that Jesus experienced in the, in the garden, there is a scientific term for it, hematidrosis. It is the sweating drops of blood. And the body uh, has uh, stress. It's overstressed. 
How many times a day do we hear people that are just too stressed out? Too stressed out. We live in a culture that is overly stressed. Anxiety. And people do things out of stress that they wouldn't normally do. We need to be delivered from too much anxiety and too much stress. And Jesus experienced that in the garden. He went through it so that we don't have to. He experienced in the garden betrayal. Betrayal from a friend, Judas Iscariot. And Judas Iscariot had the plan when they approached Jesus in the garden. He had notified the authorities that the one that I kiss, this is the man that you need to take. And so you can imagine the, the anguish in Jesus' soul that he experienced, that we experience sometimes people betraying you, the pain that it causes. And again, I'm, I'm talking about physical healing, but I'm also talking about there are things in the soul, wounds in the soul that Jesus delivers us from because he experienced it. We need to remember that Jesus experienced it. You're not the only one that's been betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. He gave his life. He bathed the feet of the very one that sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. He believed in Judas Iscariot. He loved Judas Iscariot. He loved doubting Thomas. He loved Peter, who denied him three times. And he ministered to them. But he was betrayed. And so he dealt with that. And so if you've, if you've been dealing with that, he wants to heal you today. Amen. Then he went through the trials. He faced a Jewish trial. Can you imagine your own people turning on you? He went before the high priest, Caiaphas, in Luke 22. He was mocked. He was blindfolded. He was struck on the face. This is before he was ever scour scourged. This was before the, the crown of thorns. He was beaten, mocked by his own people. What, what, what did he do to deserve this? But Jesus submitted himself to go all the way. All the way. He did it for you. And he did it for me. He did, he did it for healing. Not only did he come before uh, the high priest, the Jewish high priest, but he also, because... The Romans ruled the world. He was brought before Pilate. And so he faced a Roman trial. Pilate didn't want to have his blood, uh, Jesus' blood on his hands, so he sent him to Herod. Herod didn't want to have his blood on his hands, so he sent him back to Pilate. So Jesus, after being tried, after walking nearly three miles back and forth, from trial to trial, after he had been mocked and beat and flogged, struck on the face, they took him and sentenced him because the people demanded that he be crucified. They, sent him, they took him to the scourging post. You have to remember, because he was sentenced by the Romans, that he was not under... Jewish punishment, the Jewish punishment or flogging was 40 stripes minus one, which was 39, but the Romans didn't have a limit. So many people think, well, Jesus may have been 
struck 39 times. No, the Romans didn't have a limit of how many times they could strike Jesus. And so they started striking Jesus with the cat of nine tails and maybe you've seen the the movies or some depiction. Again, we all try to imagine what it would have been like and it was probably worse than anything that we could imagine or anything that we've even seen in a movie. But they started on the front, on the chest and hitting him. And when they hit him with the whip, it tore skin off. They turned him around to the back, on both shoulders, down the middle of the back. They didn't stop there. They went to the the bottom and the back of the legs, on and on and on. We have to remember this because Jesus did this for us. And the motive for this was love. Jesus himself, in his own words, tells us every time we take communion to remember him. He he says, and we're going to do this at the end here, in just a few minutes. Take this bread. This is my body. When you do this, remember me. Not glorified. Remember me when I went down the via Delarosa, when I carried the weight of the cross on my back, they say anywhere from 95 pounds to 125 pounds was placed on his back after he had been flogged to that, that close to his death. The reason they flogged them so much and scourged them so much is so that they wouldn't last a long time up on the cross. Because they didn't want, honestly, they didn't want the animals to, the birds and everything to eat the people while they were up on the cross. I know that may not be too pleasant to think about, but they would beat them within an inch of their life, put them on the cross to shame them. The the shame was being placed upon the cross. They would take them down and then bury them if, if they had a place to be buried. But Jesus did what he did, again, guys, because he loves us. Because he thought so much of us that he took the stripes. He wanted us to be healed. And he didn't do what he did in vain. He didn't do what he did to prove anything. Other than he loves us. And he wants us to be healed. So it wasn't just one man scourging him it was two men from either side at the same time at the same time over and over and over then the crown of thorns it wasn't just a little ring up here with a couple of little thorns like from a thorn bush They say it was more like a helmet with one-inch spiked thorns. And they didn't just set it gently on there. They continued to flog him 
after they put this crown of thorns on his head so that it went into, into his head. I really believe that when Jesus took this crown of thorns that he was dealing with the mental illness, the tormenting thoughts and the anguish. From what we've seen in our lifetime, we see that mental torment opens the door to demon possession. And I believe that the purpose that the devil wants to afflict the mind is so that he can control the will. The devil will push you and push you and push you to the place of where you just give up. And you give up your will to do whatever he wants you to do. And we have to remember that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That power, that spirit of power is the power to say no to the enemy. That spirit of love is to forgive those who have abused you. And that sound mind is clearly to identify negative thoughts and refuse them and replace them with godly thoughts. And so God wants us to be healed from the mental anguish and the mental torment. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a physical thing, but I believe there's a lot more mental healing Emotional healing and healing in the soul that needs to take place. So I see that symbol of the crown of thorns to mean much deeper than just what we, physical ailments that we have, that we experience in our body. But Jesus went down the Via Della Rosa and he carried this heavy weight on his shoulders as he could barely move down the road this cross and the curse of the cross. You can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 21. It says that anyone that's hung upon a cross is cursed. So Jesus had to fulfill that. He had to take the curse on himself so that it would be removed from us. Before they put him on the cross, they took... Nails, spikes, seven-inch spikes. Put them in his wrist, not, not in his hand so much, but in the wrist between the bones because it was also prophesied that not one bone in his body would be broken. And so the spikes would go in the wrist and then the spikes between uh, the bones and the, the ankles. So he experienced great pain. And again, I want to emphasize that the enemy, when, when we experience pain, the, in, the enemy wants us to give up. It's, it's always the, the pressure to give in and give up. Don't trust God. He's not going to come through for you. you. How can you trust someone that would allow this? He's unfaithful. These are the lies of the enemy. This is the torment in the mind to cause us to give up. But Jesus never gave up. He never gave up. He never, he never quit trusting his father. He settled it in the garden. He said, Father, whatever needs to be done, I will trust you. Whatever I need to go through, I will trust you. And so he paid for us to live 
In John 10, 10, he said that, that Jesus, he said, I've come that you might have life and more abundantly. So the abundant life is what Jesus wants us to live, a life that we can experience his healing. There were many people, we'll get into it uh, in the next couple of weeks, there were many people that, that were healed by the power of the Father flowing through Jesus as Jesus was on earth. But even after Jesus was lifted up and, and ascended to the Father, there were healings all through the book of Acts. And there's healings today in 2019. People are being healed, which testifies to the power of God and the, the promise of the Scripture that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, he realized that he needed to experience (laughs) this separation that he saw in the garden that caused him to sweat blood. And so at that point of near physical death, Jesus makes the statement, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This was the first time that Jesus referred, as the first time that Scripture recorded that Jesus referred to his Father as God. Other times it was Father. In Isaiah, it, it says that God had to turn his face because Jesus became sin. It says there in Isaiah, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you so that he will not hear and so God had, the, the, the Father had to turn his back on the Son. So Jesus experienced that separation. There may have been times in your life where you felt lost, like the Father didn't love you, like he was ignoring you. Jesus experienced that, that abandonment. Maybe it was being abandoned by a, a natural parent, a father or a mother. Jesus experienced that so that he can heal you from that. Jesus experienced that sense of being lost and without purpose and forgotten, abandoned. Then Jesus asked for, he he knew that all things had been accomplished and he asked for something to drink, which... They gave him a vessel full of vinegar, and they, they put the vinegar upon the, the hyssop, brought it to his mouth. Jesus received it, and then he said, it's finished. So he bowed his head, and the Bible says that he gave up his spirit. They could kill his body, but they could not take his spirit. He chose to give up his spirit. After he did this, and they saw that he had died, there was one that pierced his side with a, with a spear. It went through the rib cage and into the heart, and there's a sack of water around the heart, and the blood and the water flowed from Jesus to fulfill another prophecy, and he died physically. Jesus had to experience this so that we could exchange our sickness for his healing. This is important to remember. 
Very important. Every time that we take communion, like we're going to do here in just a moment, there is the symbolism of the bread and, and the, the wine, the juice, talking about his body was broken, symbolizing, speaking about, this is Jesus saying, hey, this is my body, broken for you, for your healing. This is my blood that was shed for you for your cleansing, the cleansing of sins. So I believe that this morning, because you've heard the truth in what Jesus did, there's some of us that are, are needing to connect to that healing power of Jesus that only he provides. I can't work a healing in your body, but I can testify that I have been healed by the power of God. There are multiple ways that people can be healed. I I love that about, about the New Testament. There were many ways. Jesus had no formula. Like I said last week, the, can you imagine the thoughts in the, the blind mind, the blind man's mind when he heard Jesus Get the, the spit. <laughs> there were so many methods that were used. There's no formula <laughs> to say that we have to trust Jesus. And so there have been times where people have been healed through communion. In a couple of weeks, we're going to bring people down that need healing. We're going to lay hands on you because the Bible instructs us in Mark chapter 16 to lay hands on the sick. There's also a, a passage in James that says, call for the elders of the church, anoint them with oil. So there's the anointing of oil. But I believe that as we take communion this morning, that you can reach out from your heart with your faith and take hold of the healing that God has for you. Healing is a fact. It is settled on earth and it's settled in heaven. Jesus completed it when he said it's finished. And he's here today. Jesus promised that he would show up every time that we gathered in his name. And so I'm assured that he's here today. And I'm assured if you need healing, that he's here to provide that for you. Doesn't matter what it is healing from. I said some things about mental illness just to let you know that God is more concerned than just to heal your physical body. There's so much more that God can do that that we need to be aware of. If you've been dealing with with dreams in the night, uh, nightmares, people call it, it's, it's from fear. It's fear. If you've been dealing with the fear, God can deliver you from fear today and will deliver you from fear today as we take this communion. I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of blood. She knew that Jesus could heal, and she went to receive her healing. She was not going to be denied, and so she pressed through the crowd. Don't let anybody stand in your way of your healing today. Be determined that when you take, because we're going to celebrate communion, when you take that bread, and when we say, say this, I receive, then you receive. 
That is your point of contact. That is your moment to, to trust God. To trust God. Romans 8.11 says this, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. It is the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead that, that continues to make us alive with that same power that He raised Christ with. It's not strange. It's completely normal for him. Can I challenge you? Right now, just go, go ahead and close your eyes. I'm going to challenge you to not be moved by what you see. It is not about what you see. It is about what you believe. Do you believe that Jesus did what he did for you? That he went all the way. He didn't hold himself back. He completed the assignment that the Father had for him when he was on this earth. He said, yes, I'll go and yes, I'll do whatever you need me to do because I love them so much. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.